Welcome to Overthinking in Your Underwear. This is Lindsay, author of Overthinking in Your Underwear, and now the podcast. And here is what I'm overthinking this week. A few weeks ago, I had a podcast, Secrets from a Relationship Expert, and you guys seem to like it a lot. It got more downloads than any of my other podcasts. So I'm having back Jill Simpson, Relationship Expert, on today. And we are going to talk about dating. So if you listen to that episode, and I'm going to link it in the bio, so or I'm going to link it in the blog so you guys can go back and listen to it. It was more about marriage and relationships and building kind of sustainable relationships. And we're going to talk about dating today. So kind of the run up, right? What's some good advice about dating and what can we really learn about dating? So in my book, Overthinking in Your Underwear, I have a whole section on dating. And what the premise of this podcast is, is we're going to kind of go through that section. I'm going to kind of kind of call out little bits of advice. And Jill's going to chime in with a more profesh opinion. You know what I mean? Uh, we're going to share little dating stories along the way. It's going to be really fun. I have to say the dating chapter is like one of my favorite chapters in the book. I think it's like a do as I say, not as I've done kind of thing. I mean, the whole the whole book could be titled do as I say, not as I've done. Let's be honest. But I mean, I'm 45 and single. So if you want to take advice from me, I actually think you should. I mean, as I say, when you've been single from since the 70s, you know a thing or two about dating. It's a really fun chapter with lots of advice that we're going to go through here in a minute with Jill, the expert, and my friend, Trish. But first, I'm going to read a little part to you from the book, the chapter on dating, because I talked to you in this chapter about the worst date I've ever been on. And the reason it was the worst date was because of me. Uh, It's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. Which is... If you read the book, that's kind of what all of this is always about. It's like if you look, if you think really hard, if you overthink it, the problem usually lies inside of you. And if you really approach personal development and self-help with a strong look in the mirror and the first place you always look is at yourself, you're going to get to the you're going to get to personal growth a lot faster. Um, So here's what I talk about on that date. I once drank too much on a date and burst into tears for no plausible reason I can remember. I'm not even a crier. I get the waterworks going maybe once a year. Maybe. It's not that I don't harbor emotions. They just aren't expressed through my tear ducts. I push them way down to the bowels of my body until they're so overwhelming I can't put on socks. Like a normal person. Oh right, back to the date. So there I was bawling on the futon of a guy I just met. He said, they're there, or maybe it was get out of here. I couldn't hear him over the sound of my wailing. I spent the next few months trying to prove to him I was a normal person who didn't cry on couches unprovoked. Eventually, I gave up, but I took with me a new spirit around drinking and dating. Most blogs, best friends, and dating experts tell you to tone it down when it comes to drinking on first dates, absolute and tonically. I say two drinks or less is optimal for a first meeting, and here's why. You wake up the next morning and wonder, did I have a great time with him, or did I have a great time with four vodka tonics? Because I've gone out with four vodka tonics many times, and they always crack me up. I've never gone out with him, so it could go either way. Here's the other part of that equation. Is this an equation? Seems unlikely. While drinking four vodka tonics, I'm the maximum fun times version of myself. There's no more amusing version hiding in the closet or wearing a tube top ready to drink mimosas at breakfast. Four vodka tonics me isn't really me. It's my pinch hit personality who comes out now and then to disorient first dates before crying on a futon. 
For the first few outings, choose activities such as coffee or walking your dogs. Were it not frowned upon, I'd invite potential partners over for mundane housework. If regrounding my shower is a laugh riot, imagine the future we could have together. When you first meet someone, make it a dry run. Let them see the real you and get a clear-headed picture of the person who showed up for your first date. Now for my conversation with Jill Simpson and Trisha. Trisha's been my best friend since I was in sixth grade. And like I said in the intro, Jill's a good friend, also a certified relationship therapist. So you're going to want to hang out for this one. We overthink type, red flags, dating. It's a really fun conversation. Um, Hang out for the whole thing. You guys ready? Let's overthink it. Now we're going to do the part of the dating chat. And I have Sour Patch Kids as treats whenever they give a good piece of dating advice or tell a humorous story. So um, it's some real incentive, you guys. That's I know. considering it's really my good. favorite, of course. I know. Um, so, like, while we were, like, setting up the equipment, we were just kind of chit-chatting about worst dates and dating turnoffs and things like that. Trish just said being rude to a waitstaff. So that's always been a big one for me, too. Like, as a waitress for years that's always like a trigger and people always say that that that's something you should really look for is like how people treat mm-hmm. the wait staff mm-hmm. big one for you yeah huge yeah the wait staff and their mother right that's right that's so we're gonna go through my book overthinking your underwear there's a there's a section called relationship business and just get into some of the advice in there like i said it's kind of based on do as i say not as i've done which the whole book is kind of like that you know <laughs> failure makes the best lessons do you guys have anything before we want to jump in do you want to tell about your powerpoint jill <laughs> I was telling her that when we were, I was, I was reading your book and it had me thinking about, you know, some of my own dating experiences. And, um, in my twenties, there was a stint there where I had all these bad ones and out of like, I guess, convenience and also, uh, really being efficient with telling my friends these stories. I took time at my long lunch break at work to make PowerPoints and I would send them updates every Did Monday. it have advice or just like No, it was more points. just like horrible bullet points about why no why the answer is no right yeah with the picture normally oh, like oh I picture, i've got to find this because it's so funny um but and i just thought it was hilarious like on there there was a guy i kind of did like a thing where i would have my friends on backup which people do this right hey if i text you or if i write with a yes. with a letter like or with an explanation point like that means call me and say you need to talk to me urgently yeah. there's something going on right which i know is like you okay. need me to come pick you so up so they see through that right yeah. but at that point there was no way out so this guy and i went out and he started talking about how he was in a gang when he was yeah. growing up <laughs> <laughs> and i was immediately like, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> so i did not like that feeling, and he kind of went on and on and on about it. And he had got—I would have been turned on because I like the bad boy. Oh, exactly. Yeah. It just—I don't know. It just made me feel uncomfortable, and so I immediately texted my friend, "Explain what, explain what, explain what." And she was, she called me, and I left. So, I mean, that was probably one of the more not so great. I've never heard someone actually use that. Like, oh, I, I feel like you see it on it's the only time and everything. I, I always just would sit there like really uncomfortable or drink more and then like just feel like I'm going to drink my way through this wake up tomorrow with a horrible hangover but just I got to get through this you know and I think the thing is is like you can have one drink and say I'm leaving because this isn't great you know or not Mm -hmm. that this isn't great but this was nice to meet you and yeah 
Nice, but I, I always felt so bad doing that. I know. That. Like, so, you feel yeah. bad being there for 45 minutes and being like... No, I still felt bad doing what I did. It was yeah. not fun. Because I knew he knew, right? Yeah. But it was it was an escape plan, and I took it. Yeah. But it's the only time I did. But I also think 20s and 30s, you're not going to do that. No. Not until yeah, you're right. 40 or older, you're going to be like, I'm sorry. This Let's be honest yeah. here. Let's, Let's be, be honest. honest. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we can start looking at the book now. I know you guys all have your books out right now, too, right? <laughs> Wouldn't that be fun? Wouldn't that be fun? This is section three, overthinking relationship business, and it starts with overthinking your type, tall, dark, and unavailable. That was my type for a long time. I mean, it might still be if I were dating. but um, I'm a sucker for the dark hair, too. Yeah. Yeah. But I started off talking about how my dad... My dad, this is kind of like contradicting because my dad is this really great guy and everyone always kind of says like, how can you have such a great dad and then like such a shitty dating history or like such a bad radar when it comes to men? Sorry, any guy that I dated that is listening to this. Um, but how can you, how can you do that? Like, why aren't, why aren't you going for the guy that's exactly like your dad? Cause my dad dotes on my mom and he's so wonderful. Like, why aren't you typecasting that like why aren't you casting that out to the universe of that's what you want my kind of theory is that is when we go for someone it doesn't necessarily have to be your dad like whether it's a father mother sibling or first love when you look for a partner you pursue you pursue traits of a familiar figure mm-hmm. these traits traits can be terrific or not so noteworthy but they send us on a search sometimes dating the same type as we attempt to find a person who fits the part so time and again, you choose a partner with all, with all the personality and no full-time job. Why? Because it reminds you of a type you cast long ago. Your father, your mother, the one who broke your heart. It's cozy, comfortable, and mostly it feels like home. So that's just not my dad. That's not who I've been typecasting. But I think we do look for something familiar to our past, and then we keep replaying it. For sure. Yeah. Because it feels comforting in a weird way, even if it's turbulent. Yes. Yeah. For do you, sure. Does that feel like anything? I feel I I know um, you. I know you, girl. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no. Do not with your current husband, obviously. Not right. cur- I shouldn't describe him as current husband. Sorry, Brent. But even like with Brent, <laughs> your only husband, your forever husband, Brent. Like us, like I've always typecast. Like I'm going to marry somebody that has been my friend at some point, or knows my family, knows my life, knows whatever. And has history with yeah. In the beginning with Brit and I, it was like that made it so much easier. You know what I mean? Like I was, I guess, typecasting then. But yeah, no, all of my long-term serious relationships I've had you had for my husband were definitely uh-huh. home marrying a. It was sort of like a. I'm. I'm not gonna. I'll let you explain it, but I feel like you were dating a a general demographic of what we grew up with, of Mm -hmm. like a strong masculine alpha male, Mm -hmm. and that's what was supposed to be attractive. That was supposed to be like what took care of you and what a woman was supposed to be attracted to, I think. Um, just in our community, I would say, yeah. what you were supposed to be attracted to, and you kind of continued to date that kind of guy. Maybe, Maybe that was me too. Yeah. I mean, they weren't carbon copies of each other, our types, but right. maybe a little bit. Yeah. But it was definitely awesome. just the saying of, like, feels like home. That is yeah. what I would say. And it's is, subconscious. Yeah. Like, it's not real. Typically, it's not a conscious 
yeah thing that yeah. you're doing. It's yeah. just a subconscious thing. I do think, because I'm kind of like, well, I don't really know where my... I'm reading this and I wrote this and I still don't really know where my type came from. But I do think Gen, Gen X, like I still think we grew up with like that alpha male is what you're supposed to be mm-hmm. attracted to. And now, you know, the Gen Z guy or a millennial guy or whatever, they're like sensitive and they're creative and all the things that I am and that I love. But we weren't taught or we didn't see in our culture and our movies and our books and, and everything that that's what you're supposed to be, or that you can be attracted to, that that is attractive. And so I think that's probably mm-hmm. what we were typecasting. Yeah. For sure. And it I doesn't think, always end well. It doesn't always end well. It can. Yeah. But I also think um, if I look back on that in my own life is I was really into movies when I was young. And so I would watch the same ones over and oh, over yeah. and over and Top Gun was one of them. Oh, and Dirty Dancing yes. was one of them. And so I wanted a guy yes. just like Maverick. And I wanted a guy just like Johnny Castle. Right? Yeah. Um, and even Zach Morris, which Saved by the Bells. Mm. Right? Mm. But that was yeah. a little bit later. But, like, I want that was the kind of energy I wanted in a guy. Right? Yeah. Like, and Johnny Castle more specifically because he was a dancer. And, you know, I love that. But, yeah, he was, like, like the bad, strong, He was the bad boy. Right. He was a mix of, like, masculine but sensitive. And it was just such a cool... He was dangerous. Yeah. Duo. He yeah. was a little dangerous. But like once he found his love, he was locked in. Oh, right? Like yeah, he, he was, was like one. that at, at first with the other women at the resort, right? And then he locked in the baby. Mm-hmm. So I just that to me was a part of what I was like, ooh, he's kinda kinda right. Because I joke with Michael Mimet. I was like, you kind of a mix of all of those. Like yeah. because I really that was my first like Ooh, I can't, like that, like, like flutters, you know. Me too, Patrick Swayze, oh. dirty dancing. Oh. Me too. How That's can you funny. Not? No, yeah. Oh, yeah, that gave me all the feels. Oh, that yeah. one, that dirty dancing did. Yes, really. Yeah, yeah. dump a baby in no, a corner. No, immediately yeah. when you guys said that about movies, I thought we all wanted Patrick Swayze. Yeah, so, yeah. Oh and we God. all wanted to be Madonna. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, some more than others. But. Madonna, that's a whole other conversation about. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, true. So talk about this. This is kind of like a thing that I created and have no right to be creating things. I say our hot starters are the top three things that pull you in and blind you to the rest of your potential partner's true self. So it doesn't have to be three, but I was sitting there one day and talk about like, you really have a problem overthinking. I had gone out with a guy and I was like, I really didn't know why I liked him. I was like, I I don't even know why I like this guy or like why I'm staring at my phone hoping he calls me back. And I was like, he's confident. He was kind of an alpha guy. He was unavailable, I think. And so I was kind of like going through and matching like all the guys that I had been with. And I was like, those are my hot starters. If a guy is those things, cut it off. I'm done. I'm going to be like really interested. I'm going to be locked in. If I sit down and I see a guy is like confident you know, kind of an alpha guy, and there's something like a little bit unavailable about him, those are my hot starters. That's what that's what I'm into, right? Not that I can't go out with a guy who's creative and cool and smart or whatever those things are, which I should be. We all have these things that are just going to lock us in, and that's kind of what builds upon and creates our type. Yeah. Do you guys think you have this? Yeah, but I also think that is more short-term for me. Yeah. Like short-term? Hopefully. You know what I mean? Meaning like, yes, that might be the allure at first, or that might be what makes me want to do, like, get to know them more. But like, at some point you get to a, okay, is this a long-term match? Is this someone that would be with me when I'm sick? Is this someone that would be a great 
dad. Is this the right? Eventually my brain goes there. And if they're not, cause you're healthy, you sound like a healthier person than me, Joe. You're way healthier than I am. <laughs> like a true partner. No, made way healthier. Just no, I guess no. what I'm saying is did. a true partner. Yes. That's definitely. what I mean. And like, yes. if they're unavailable or not, or they are, I'm not ready. Are you like those sort of guys? Okay. Not the right time. And right. maybe down the line, not where I'm at right now. Right. Right. So these things like get us in the door and then that's kind of my point. It's like, oh, those okay. things like will get us in the door, you know, and yeah. maybe keep us for too long. And then we really need to like figure out what are, what's our, what are the traits that like we back want? to basics. What are the traits yeah. that we want for a projected partner? Like yeah. what's your projected partner? He should be a good dad. He should be all these things. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I'm a dark hair person too. Right. Yeah. So, like that was always my thing too. And like kind of broad, just broad and the masculine thing. I don't know. I just, yeah, I go back to that typically. Right. In the end. They're my hot starters, I guess. They're your hot starters. Yes. Oh, so then this is something else I like too. It's also kind of like my Tom, my theory of Tom, the theory, Tom Cruise theory. I don't so know. I haven't heard this. Complete yourself first and find a partner who's the whole damn deal. We all know this scene in Jerry Maguire when oh. Tom storms into the room where Renee Zellberger's sister is having book club. And he's like, if this is where it has to happen, then this is where it has to happen. And then he goes and he has this huge speech to, to Renee Zellweger that ends with, you complete me. Mm-hmm. And then for years, everyone has said, you complete me. Everyone's looked for someone that says, you complete me. But the truth is, you have to complete yourself first or you're never going to be happy. Mm-hmm. Like you can get into a relationship and then you're going to be unhappy and you're going to look for the closest thing, which is going to be your partner. Mm-hmm. And you're going to say, he's making me unhappy. She's making me unhappy. But the truth is, you have to complete yourself first or you're never going to be happy in a relationship. For sure. Tom Cruise lied to us. Yeah. 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 Well, the notion of I want you in my life, I don't need you in my life, yes. is like similar to that. Like I'm complete and I am whole and I'm content and I'm confident, but I want you to share this with me instead of it yes. being like, I have to attach to you to complete that circle. And if I don't have that, then it's right, that codependence yes. thing. It's still kind of romantic. No, no, it is. <laughs> you can look at it in a romantic way too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It can, you can look at it in a way of like Tom Cruise had everything. Minus this small thing, or not small thing, this huge part, which was Renee Zellweger. Yeah. Was he unavailable? I, it's been years since I've yes. seen that. Wasn't he kind of unavailable? Oh, yeah. He was like a horrible player. Okay. But it's a great movie. I love that I know. Movie. It's been so long. It's yeah. so good. Yeah. It's a classic it's, of our generation. Yeah. Do you guys want um, a Sour Patch Kid? I was wondering when yeah. we were going to get one. <laughs> when are we going to get really, one? You haven't really given me much that I... No. no. I'm just kidding. You gave me a great thing earlier. What colors it's, do you like? No, this is good. Oh, you don't want green, Joe. Oh, I don't mind green at all. Oh my god, it's so intense. It's so intense. <laughs> In all the right ways. This is where I go back to just, you were born, go to school, go to college, meet somebody, get married. And I think for so mm-hmm. long we thought, oh, because we haven't met somebody, we're not complete. We're mm-hmm. not full. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Only over time has that evolved more that it's like, no, it's okay to like... Be happy with yourself first, you know? And yeah. your Shia Poo. And your 10-pound yeah. Shia Poo. Yeah. But I'm just saying, I always go back to, like, my grandparents. Like, my grandmother got married when she was, like, 18 years old. No one's yeah. complete right. right, right. She stayed married for umpteen years until my grandfather passed. I mean, technically. I mean, she so. may have gotten lucky that, yeah. right? She I'm just saying, day, but... like, I think, too, it's all just your culture, society. Oh, yeah. 
And like the expectations that they had, I think were much different than the expectations yeah. that we have. Yes. If you're on top, like generational stuff. Yeah. We just evolve. Right. I don't know if I race. said this when we talked to our marriage one, but like my parents have all these friends from college. And I think always think it's so funny that their wedding anniversary is like May 31st. And then their best friend's wedding anniversary is like May 20th, June 1st, June 2nd, June 3rd, because they all got married right out of college. Like it was just what you did and you were not going to be single for one second. Mm -mm. They all married their college sweethearts and they all stayed with them. There wasn't even one divorce in the group, which is very rare. Yeah, that is. I mean, 50%, right? And yeah, and they all just say, you know, you did, that's just what you did, and we got lucky. You know, we yeah. found these great partners, and they do. They all seem to have these great marriages. Well, and that also goes back to what we talked about in our last yeah. podcast that was about, like, timing. Like, mm-hmm. you kind of panic, and you're like, oh, well, everybody else is doing it, so I'll so make this one work, it. and this one's fine. And, you know, you kind of yeah. lie to yourself sometimes that, like, this one will work, and it's not like that anymore. I think there's right. a broad range of when people get married, and we also – realize it's not the only way to happiness. Like right. there are many other things you can do with your life besides get married and have kids and still be happy. Right. And I, that's not how I think it's been. Right. When yeah. I'm, I mean, you could never have been like back in that group of my parents and their friends say, actually, I'm going to break up with Steve and <laughs> I'm going to go to Europe for a while and see who else I meet and then come yeah, back. And then whatever your girlfriends would have been like, yeah. are you crazy? You got this one on the hook. Wait a minute. You have, you're going to marry your college yeah. boyfriend. That's what we're all doing. I mean, it's just, it's so funny to think about. So the next chapter is overthinking dating. At the beginning, I talk about how dating with no self-worth, low self-worth, the beginning of the book is all about building your self-worth, is just a no-go. Like, you have to build up your self-worth before you can really go out and successfully date. And then this is one of my favorite quotes I post it all the time. There's nothing more terrifying than a person who needs no validation. So once you do kind of figure out that self-worth, the game changes. And I I say, like, once I kind of started doing that, I would, like, walk into a date when I had no expectation of giving and shit if they called me back because I was good. I really just wanted to meet them, see how they were, like, see if they liked, see if I liked them as much as seeing if they liked me. Because before I was dating with the expectation of seeing if they liked me, am I okay? And I say, like, I'd been my ride or dye my hair for 30 years. And yet here I was handing over all my power to one, a guy in one swipe, you know? And when you change that paradigm, like, I really noticed the energy change. Like, guys were literally leaning in, like, but wait, (laughs) do you like me? Tell me more. Yeah, do you like me? And I was kind of like, I don't know. And it's such a shift. You can't sit down with that needy energy of, Mm -hmm. oh, my God, do you like me? Do you approve of me? Oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. Like, you have to show up. Like, I'm, I'm complete, Tom Cruise. Yeah. I am complete. I am good. I don't give a shit where this relationship goes. I'm sorry. But, like, you know, like, I'm good. I'm going to go home. I'm going to be happy. Everything's fine. Yeah. I just want to see if we have the same interest and if our Netflix queue aligns, you know? Like, <laughs> if I want to hang out with you and watch Netflix. Like, yeah. Let's see. Netflix and chill. That's right. Later, maybe. I was going to say, that reminds me of the whole be more in, be more focused on being interested mm-hmm. versus interesting. Yeah. So like don't try to put on a show or be mm-hmm. like this person that you're not, right? Yeah. Like ask them the questions. You're interviewing them too in a sense, yes. right? Like be interested in them and their life and what's going on and so that you can get a real idea of who they are. And then instead of being like, oh gosh, do they like me? And did I order the right thing? And, and do I look okay? And do I have food in my tea? Like just 
drop that, which is the confidence piece. Yeah. Which I think no matter what is sexy. Yeah. Confidence is sexy. That's what we've been talking about. We're always attracted to confidence. Yeah. Jill, good job. Here you go. I, because I don't date anymore, but even before when I was dating, like with interviewing and graduating college and getting your first job and it was so much of you would be taught when you go into an interview, like don't focus on yourself, right? Focus on them. People pick up on that energy. Mm -hmm. When I'm interviewing people now, I always say like, I want you to interview me just as much as I'm interviewing you. You know, like, like, is this place right for you? Yeah, exactly. But I think, you know, back when we were dating the wrong people and we got to that point of being complete ourselves and brought that different energy the ones that were the unhealthy relationships, mm-hmm. those guys scurried away real quick because yeah. they knew they couldn't control or manipulate right, or right. whatever. So, But on that note, I think that's also something to look for is do they seem to care about, about me you. too? Like it's yeah. not just about yeah. them. And, yeah. and, right. And I think, I mean... Mike and I are joke. they asking you yeah. questions? Like Mike and I joke all the time about like how many people are horrible at the art of conversation. Like yeah. they just don't know the back and forth and the mm-hmm. being inquisitive and curious and actually caring. I mean, uh, people don't typically do that in the norm. Um, but I think if you are looking at someone that you potentially want to be with, that should be something you look for. Yeah. Is do they also seem interested in you and your life and getting to know you and oh, who yeah. you are? The next one was about how you should treat dating like a job interview, Trish. That's really good. Look at all this introspect. I know. Look at all this introspect. And then now, finally, my favorite piece of advice. I'm sorry. Schmooze without booze. Okay, so everybody has a different level of drinking. You could have, I can have like one or two drinks and burst into tears crying on a futon. And Trisha could have seven drinks and she could go into surgery. <laughs> she could go scrub into surgery. Right. I mean, this woman, like you literally, it's so yeah. annoying. But everybody has like how chemicals Oh, yeah, yeah. Hit them for sure. It's biological, yes. But going into a date, you need to like really evaluate how alcohol hits you. First of all, you're going to meet a stranger. You are in a situation where you need to be able to protect yourself, not just like protect yourself, but you know, you you're in a situation where you're taking care of yourself. So you need to know, like, okay, my limit is one, my limit is two, my limit is seven if you're Trisha. But you also want to just go in and know that you're putting forth your real authentic self because there's nothing worse than the feeling of waking up the next day and going, well, first of all, I don't think that went well. But second of all, that wasn't even me. That's the worst feeling. And that's how I felt about the crying on the futon story is the next day I was like, first of all, I don't even cry. I'm not even a crier. I really am not even that big of a drinker. And forever afterwards, that guy, we did continue to date. That guy was like, oh, well, you're just so emotional. I don't know. I don't even want to get into it because you're just such an emotional person. And I'm honestly not an emotional. Yeah. I'm very cerebral, I, but I'm not emotional. Yeah. And it always annoyed me so much because I was like, I put forth this person that I'm not, that's not even me. Yeah. And now I'm trying to like rewrite this story with him all the time. Like, look, look, who, look how even keeled I am. Like, and you can't like really convince him well, and you're even keeled. Like, it's like, how more even keeled can I be? <laughs> like, it was so annoying. That's the most frustrating part for me. And that's why I was always like, you can't, you really have to figure out your limit and then just call it because otherwise, 
backtracking and trying to rewrite a story with someone all the time, or you just completely blow it up and you don't even get the chance. But don't you feel like just misrepresenting ourselves is just part of growing up and like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it is part of growing up and figuring it out. But when you're doing it again and again and again and you're 38, I think you can decide to make a better decision. True. Mm-hmm. True. I agree with that. Like, that's where it's good. The education's getting put out there and like all of that. But I think we also learn from our mistakes and it's important to make those, you know, yeah. as well, much. Well, I made them. Yes. <laughs> but you learn from them. Yeah, I did. You know what I mean? No. Yeah. I mean, I don't need to scrub them all away. I'm just saying like, yeah. Yeah. you make them and you learn and you do better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And don't beat yourself up about it when you do. Yeah. Right? Not worth that. No. What's your minimum, Jill? On what? Drinking. Oh, um, I would say, meaning like, are we talking gauge? I start to misrepresent myself? Yeah. Okay. Probably four. Oh, that's pretty good. I'm no. not. I'm not a so. good What do you guys think are big red flags? have any red flags the the whole like what i mentioned prior is one of my top ones the not being interested in you and your life or your family Mm -hmm. right like if they don't seem to want to know and this is down the line as things start to evolve of course right if they don't want to know about you more deeply and then also in turn your family like more deeply then i think that that's a red flag because you eventually will that will be their family too yeah. And if they don't seem to care or they're it's super one-sided, it's not something I think that could sustain itself in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wouldn't, that's one of mine, big time. Yeah. I would say that too. Yeah. Talking about themselves, mm-hmm. being rude to other people around you, or you know what I mean? Yeah. I would also say too, like, um, just like what you guys are choosing to do, if it's always the same thing, that's probably a red flag. Yeah. Like if you have to meet at the bar every day. I was going to say going to the bar every night. Oh, yeah. Right. But yeah. So, you know, just like common interests, things like that. Okay. Good job. Yeah. I would say (laughs) if you don't get along with my dog, like if my dog doesn't like you and like if my dog is actually scared of you, kind of (laughs) like, then my dog's so sweet. So if my dog doesn't like you, I think that's Mm -hmm. a big red flag. Mm -hmm. I think another red flag is. If it's not easy. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean like you're not going to have your bumps, but if it is majority hard or there's way too often all these bumps, when you are mm-hmm. dating, that is not good long term. My dad always said it should be easy when you're dating. Yeah. Like it really should be. That's an easier time. Mind you, that's if you like don't have kids and blended family and all those things. That's hard. But when you're young yeah. and you, and, it, and it's, if it seems to be difficult and all these hurdles and bumps and fights and toxicity, yeah. Not probably good long term. Exactly. Because yeah, life only gets more complicated, right? right? Yeah. I went out on a, I was on a date with a guy once and we were doing that like, so, I mean, I hate first date conversation. Like there's nothing more boring in the whole world. And we were doing that like, what's your favorite place to travel? Like that kind of stuff. And he said, Vegas. I just, mm. Vegas party, party down, man. It's like so fun. It's like a 24 hour party. And I was like. Red flag. Yes. That's a great question, though, to kind of get to the... Yeah. I was are. like, yeah. my bed. My bed is my favorite place to travel to. Thank yeah. you. If you want to meet me there, you can. Snuggling. No, don't meet me there. Snuggling. But Maybe yeah. that's your next book is just like the appropriate questions to ask on a first date mm-hmm. to determine your red flags. I think asking your favorite TV show can be really telling, too. 
Mm. I don't feel like people should TV. judge me by my favorite TV, TV oh, show what would or you movie. Say? God, both. Because well, I don't wait, watch TV. I do not watch TV. Well, my what can you say, and then I'll decide if it's a favorite good, TV if it's a good show. Question. Would be Kardashians or Real Housewives or some horrible. But see, that doesn't make me reality judge you because I drama. love those shows. I know, but a lot of people would judge you. I know. Be like, what is wrong I know. with people, you? Well, you, you shouldn't have. You shouldn't answer that. That shouldn't be your no. answer. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but like, I feel like that's how a lot of people I feel. My time, I, I am not a big television watcher. Like, I don't have, like, a show that I, like, was in love with. Um, but my Red flag. Because <laughs> I don't watch TV. Red flag. I know. Jill doesn't have a Netflix queue. I don't. I follow other people's passwords. <laughs> and now you can't with Netflix, so you're oh done. Oh, my God. Somehow, yeah. some way, it's I'd be like, we have not, I would be like, me and this person have not Yeah, no, I don't. Um, but movies, like, from childhood and at adolescence, those would, I mean, I have those. You'd be like, pocket. Dirty Dancing and Top Gun. Top Gun and Dirty Dancing. No, I yes. mean, those are good answers. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. Um, Do you think there's a pointed question you can ask on a first date that gets to, like, the heart of something? You think it's not, what's your favorite TV show? What question do you think you could oh. ask that, like, if you, if you think TV shows is a bad question, like, It'd be a bad question a for me. I mean, travel's I think, a good question because you're kind of like, oh, he that person said Vegas, so yeah. No, I think travel's a good, and I think like for other people, the TV question works. I mean, mm-hmm. if I asked Brent what he watched without, you know, in the beginning, I would have been like, awesome, cool. Yeah, I don't even he know would, what that show is. It's just all I mean, not like, soccer, but you know. it, it's very indicative of who he is. Yes, oh, very okay. indicative. Okay. But I don't think I'm out trying to be a Kardashian. Or right, it doesn't mean you're a bang. True. Creating drama in my life True. or fighting with my it's friends. Such a, such like a the typical real show for women to watch. You know? I watch I mean, yeah, I love them. I watch all those shows. Yeah. yeah. But I feel like I have such, like I tell Brent all the time, I have no drama in my life. That is so just fun to kind of... Watch it from the outside. And maybe, because I know I told you before, like, I don't have a huge stint of dating experience. This might be horrible to ask. But, like, one of my things I would ask, like, what's your relationship like with your family? Yeah. No, I think that's a great question. You know, I mean, just. just Friends. Yeah. Do they have, like, real genuine friends? If they do not have real genuine friends, run for the hills. Yes. What happened with your, your last girlfriend? Because if they're, like. She was a total psychopath. But, I mean, I guess everyone can yeah, date a total psychopath. I mean, everyone yeah. can date a total psychopath. But I think it's usually a red flag if they have a string of psychopaths. Because mm-hmm. you know who the psychopath probably is? That Yes. Yeah. Yes. If they have not had a friendship longer than 10, 15 years or since childhood, I think that's a red flag. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you don't have to have a slew of them. Right. right. Just, like, oh, just have just one. one. It's, just well, have it's one. Qu- it's quality. Yes, yeah. high quantity. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Okay, that's a Friends good one. I like that. Yeah. yeah. We'll write those down, guys. These are for Trish. Well, you can have Jill oh, likes blue, too. I'm joking. It's okay. No, you're talking. Jilly, mm-hmm. as our therapist, mm-hmm. do you know anything about attachment styles? Yes, I do. Okay, I figured you did. Mm-hmm. So, after a certain breakup, I got really into attachment styles. Mm-hmm. I read the book Attached, and then I think I watched some stuff and whatever. And I kind of say in here, sort of maybe sort out a lot of things because I was like, it's science. Like, yeah. why we do things, why he did things, all of these reasons we, like, I would have made me take a lot of things less personally in the relationship and in some of my dating situations because it's just an attachment style and it wasn't they would have acted that way no matter what and in any situation. Mm-hmm. And I had a tendency to taste things really personally. 
If you don't know, attachment styles were created by these researchers. I'm not going to like go through the whole thing of who their names are, but they're very popular um, and have been popularized. Adult attachment styles are how we relate to other people, mostly in a romantic setting. They used to be used for something else, but now this is how they're talked about. Research says our attachment styles develop based on how we interact with our primary care, how we interacted with our primary caregivers in our formative years. You don't have to get too clinical or sciencey with attachment theory to recognize your style. See it in others and use it as a guide in your relationships and dating. So the four major attachment styles are the secure attachment style, the avoidant attachment style, the anxious attachment style, and the fearful avoidant. The secure attachment style is obviously the VIP red carpet winner of all attachment styles. Attachment styles can, Jill, tell me if I'm wrong. I didn't no, go. Attachment styles can change throughout your life. Like, I think I used to have an anxious attachment style. I ended up having an avoidant one for a long time. I hope that I'm moving towards a secure one, but they can change. You can look yeah, and be like, oh. Life experience. Yeah. yeah, like, oh, I was so avoidant then. Then I was kind of insecure. Now I'm really secure. Like, you can kind of do this. So, um, the secure attachment style, I kind of say some stuff, but. Uh, secure partners are confident in themselves alone or coupled up. They don't obsess about relationships or whether or not a partner likes them. Their self-worth is solid and intact regardless of relationship wins or losses. They love easily and intimacy is used as a way to get closer to their partner rather than a game or manipulationship. <laughs> manipulation. Breakups or rejection are seen as a part of life rather than assessment of who they are as a person. Ding, 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 yes. ding, ding. Yeah. That's what we all need to be yes. like working towards. And it takes yes. a lot of work to get there. You know, self-worth and everything. Yep. You can't just kind of yes. decide one day to be secure. You have to yep. do a lot of the quote-unquote work. Mm-hmm. Avoid it's ongoing. Yeah. I think even sure. once you get there, it's ongoing. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not like you eventually sure. get there and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm good. Yeah. Like, you have to continue to do things and make decisions based off of that secure the, place. Yeah. Right. Otherwise, yeah. it starts to shift Falter. again. The avoidant attachment style, a.k.a. all of my ex-boyfriends, this says avoidant types need their independence and flat out want to be alone. In most cases, they create pockets of closeness with people, but they can disappear at the quiver of... Oh, at the first quiver of commitment. Their emotions are impervious to manipulation because they don't spend much time stressing about their partnerships. In real life, this is the partner who vanishes right as things get good. You have a romantic date and they pull back to maintain their independence. They may pop up with a hey there stranger text after they've established boundaries, but don't be fooled. They'll disappear at the first breach of intimacy. And is that because their parents avoided them as a child? I I mean, that's where I just don't understand where these attachment theories, if it's from your upbringing and your primary caregivers. If you read the book Attached. Seven years of life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you read the book Attached, it does get into all of that. Like, if you have an, a, an avoidant attachment style, and I can't quote it all, it does get into like, maybe you were treated, maybe this happened and what's wrong? Like that just makes me sad if parents aren't paying attention to their babies in their first seven years. And it may they, be that. I can't well, I remember think, I mean, all of the reasons. It's been a while since I've like looked into all this in great depth, um, but because I don't use this as heavily as, as I do practice. other parts of my strategy, like other people's work, um, but obviously it's a part of how we're trained to assess um, but from what I know, it can be like a push-pull, mm-hmm. meaning like sometimes it seemed like it was good and sometimes it seemed mm-hmm. like it wasn't yes. and with their caregivers and they didn't quite know what they were going to get. Yes. And so it was like, I am just going to rely on me and only me. 
That's good. And yes. I'm avoidant of all things. And if I am, then I can't be hurt again. Yeah. Because I know what it's like to lean in and then it be. An inconsistent. Yes. yes. I mean, not an inconsistent. inconsistent it's unstable. Yeah. Yes. It's not yeah. stable. Inconsistent yeah. home life. Yeah. Kind of a thing. The anxious, preoccupied attachment. Um, this partner is overly sensitive and may be suspicious or even paranoid of a loving and faithful relationship. The anxious type may end up in a healthy relationship because of their willingness to stay with a partner regardless of bad behavior. This partner needs constant affirmation about your feelings and their standing in a relationship. They text repeatedly when you're at work to reassure themselves about your connection despite your consistent behavior or signs of affection. I have been this partner a million times. I will tell you that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I need reassurance. I need reassurance. Yeah. I need reassurance. It's like yes. my boyfriend, I'm thinking back to a boyfriend, I mean, 15 years ago. He could leave immediately. He could leave and we could have a great date. And I'm immediately thinking, why doesn't he like me? <laughs> I mean, like, I was the worst. I really was. I just had low self-worth. Yeah. I had yeah. low self-esteem. I didn't have confidence. I just was an insecure. I had an insecure attachment style. It was bad. Yeah. Like your heart felt good that day, but your head would tell you otherwise. Yeah, is what you're saying. Okay, I'm saying like regardless of his actions yeah. Yeah. or the situation, I still have my attachment style. Right, you know, you would go to just negative self talk. Which, if you start to think back in your yeah. adolescence yes. and things that happened eating disorder you know yes. like obviously there was a lot of mm-hmm. negative self-talk yes you know what I oh, mean oh yeah and I had to work through all of that yeah. to yeah, get to a point pattern. where you believe yeah. that you're worthy of love Look. Jill relationship expert Jill is going to tell us some of her dating advice yeah so when I was kind of concocting this list I was just thinking what would I tell my 20 year old self and Trisha's making a drink if you hear Sorry. something. Yeah, no, you're totally fine. Can you fill me up too? Little background. So I, um, you know, born and raised in the Midwest, went to Mizzou. Only time I had ever left. left. And so a lot of this advice kind of comes from my time in college. Um, and as well as like into my probably mid-20s time frame. So that's kind of what I'm speaking to when I'm speaking to this. But I think a lot of it can be used whenever. Um, so I... I've thought about this enough to where I feel like this is the case. I don't feel like I spent my time wisely in college when it came to dating. Um, I didn't spend my time wisely in college in, in terms of anything. I mean, are you kidding? Like nothing. Like I was with the same person from, I went with my high school boyfriend first semester of my freshman year. And I got with the new guy second semester of my freshman year. And I was with him for five years. And my point is, it is a fishbowl of hotties. Yeah. Right? Like, it is like, and I am going to tell all my kids, right, and, all, yeah. like, and anyone that will listen, that, like, do not lock yourself in yeah. that early on. You will never in your whole life be in another <sighs> spot. Back. Oh, you know what I mean? Where you're like, I can figure this out much faster and more yeah. efficiently, and, like, I don't have to. And I knew in my heart of hearts that, that I didn't want to marry my college sweetheart, mm-hmm. but there were a lot of other things that were fun and they were easy it's and they were easy right. To have a date. Yeah. And yeah. there were so many things like that, that it was like date, date, date party, date party, formal date party, right. That it was just easier. But I look back on that time now and I'm like, what was I thinking? Yes. Like, You're thinking like date the fishbowl. Yeah. Yes. 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 Like Swim just around. have some fun because you are never going to be totally. in that environment like that again. Yep. Don't take it so seriously. I yes. think I had a little bit of that, but we talked about our generation. I got to find my guy. I got to find yeah. my guy. I got to find the person. And Oh, you don't have a boyfriend? Why not? Right. Yes. Like, 
Society made you feel like something was wrong with you if you did not have a boyfriend. Oh, yeah. And that is changing to where girls are going to be in college and they're going to go out with 50 different guys and like... And it doesn't mean sleep with 50 different guys. Exactly. It means means like experience. But I feel like what goes along with that too is... Not not only taking yourself, don't take yourself so seriously because I think when sometimes we put our pressure on ourselves to find the person, and maybe that's not how kids are now. You know, yeah. kids, I say, but right, like young adults are now, is that they don't, and I don't think they do. I think I the I think the whole kid, the hookup culture is bang, yeah. which we could it's get thriving. into as well. Right, um, it's almost like too far the other way. Yeah, but I'm just speaking in general. I also think sometimes we will say, well, they're not my type. They're not my type. Kind of back to your hot starters. And I, looking back, I should have been open to different. Yeah, just, yeah. Yeah, I just should have been open to different. Mm -hmm. And not that it means you're going to marry that person, but the experiences and the memories and the lessons that come along with that, I think, are invaluable. And there's times I wish I would have done different and not just done the same, what I always did. I dated a cowboy and I never would have thought I dated yeah. a cowboy. Literally, no, legit. I love that advice. You I know? think that is so wise. Yeah. Like, like it was so I was a conformist. Like, I mm-hmm. dated the kind of people that my friends were dating to a point. Like, or if they approved, then I did it, right? When mm-hmm. you should be like, literally, like, I need to date a cowboy this week or not date. <laughs> Make a cowboy this week. I need a bingo card. But it should be like that. Oh Go God. on a date with a, a cowboy. cowboy? Go on a date with a scientist. Go on a date with a job. scavenger Go on. It is. Like, that would be so smart. It would be. Well, it kind of goes along with what my other advice is, which is make a list of the things that you want, right? Mm -hmm. And make a list of the things that maybe you want to experience or that you want in a partner. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, we talked about this last time. I believe in manifestation. And if you, as you are learning these lessons, as you know, okay, definitely didn't love that, really loved that. Make write that down. Yeah, like, write that shit down, and make, make a, a list. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I was just gonna say. You're so wise up beyond your years that you were back making a PowerPoint when you were 20 years I mean, old, I, or neurotic. I don't know. Yeah. No, but I think I you did. manifested money. You manifested well, no, I really mind. did make a list in my journal of what I wanted after like my experiences with my college boyfriend. Yeah. That was super helpful for me because it uh, made me really be intentional about the people that I would mm-hmm. go on the second and third dates with because if they didn't have a majority of that list, then I didn't want to waste my time because I knew, and or their time, because I knew that it wasn't going to be a match for me. Make sure you take your family's opinion into consideration, right? Like, I think sometimes, like, oh, my parents don't like him. Well, that should be a red flag. Yes. Um, well, not respect your family. Yeah, yes. if you do. If you do. If you have that you have some sort, sort of, of relationship. family member. Yes. You know, you can- if you had a... Parent that did not hang out with you from zero to seven years old, then right, yes. If they gave me your horrible to me, my friends were my family too, so I would want their opinions as well, right? And I Mm -hmm. take that into consideration because they want what's best for me. Typically, I like I said, I dated a lot of avoidant attachment styles. I think I was probably seeking out, seeking it out because I actually didn't want commitment myself, so I was going for the avoidant guy. But I think it's important to kind of read the book. You don't even have to read my book. Read the book attached. It's really good. It is so powerful to read that because then you end up, and I said this a little bit, but you end up not taking it personally. You're like, this guy can't do it. (laughs) You know, he's not going to attach to anyone. And I realized why 
we had this great date and there was all this hot chemistry and then all of a sudden he disappears. And then like we get so close and then something happens and then it's just, it's one step too far. And it makes, it hurts your heart so much because you think there's something wrong with you. And then really there's, there's an attachment style there that until he does some serious work and maybe he never will um, to be a secure partner, there's nothing you can do. You can't, I'm sorry, you can't change someone's avoidant attachment style. And you also can't change your partner's insecure attachment style. You can't give them self-worth and make them not insecure. And you can't change your person's avoidant attachment style to make them call you back. I mean, they the work has to be done on an internal level. Mm -hmm. So that's yeah. what I took from that book that was just like a huge learning lesson and made me see dating really differently. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. and no matter who they're with, that's how it would show up. They would show uh, that's up. how they would do yeah. it. Yeah. It's yeah. not you. But I think what's so interesting about dating and especially from a woman's perspective is when you're the outsider, there's an outsider and an insider, right? Your friend looking in, you being the one dating, mm -hmm. like just how, when you're an outsider, you can say that like, this has nothing to do about you. This is strictly them. It doesn't matter what you would have done differently. Yeah. They are not ready to be in a relationship or whatever. But even though I can give such sound advice, like when you're in the moment yeah, and you're like, like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think that's what's so frustrating. Thank yeah. You. And mm -hmm. hard to navigate. But it's literally like, think about what you would tell your best friend yep. and take that advice. Yep. The next chapter is about kind of like toxic patterns. And I talked about this a little bit last week. I say uh, we find someone doing the dance we already know. And I've heard it said differently of we find a knife to fit our wound, um, which I think is so interesting. Basically, it's just kind of that whole thing of like whatever happened to you in childhood, you're going to kind of go find someone to replay that event with you until you learn the lesson. I said this last week too, like, I don't like the whole thing of like, well, my parents did this. I mean, maybe something happened in childhood with your parents, but you know, maybe it was in childhood, you, you were never popular. You had a group of friends that really bullied you. And then you end up in some sort of relationship where the person like overlooks you and treats you really small and really disrespectful. And that's the pattern you're replaying. It's not always about your parents, but you find that knife to fit your wound. So if you end up in these kind of, you know, toxic relationships with your friends or your, your friends or your partners just kind of go, well, what is this wound that I'm so familiar with that I keep kind of re-injuring? Meaning like, I think in the end, that is probably something that we do again, subconsciously. Um, and, and it's interesting you say like to eventually learn the lesson. The flip side to that for me is it's called it. Well, they call it imago therapy, but it's basically like the healthy side when you get to that because it's kind of similar, but it's on the healthy flip. You eventually find someone that heals those wounds Ooh. versus hurts them, and Ooh. they call it the mirror image. Ooh, yes, love that. Yeah, that's the healthy partner. How do you get to that? Lindsay has a new term to Google. Yeah, I love it. Yes. How do you how do you ensure you're doing? That I think by doing your own work, by healing those work. wounds yourself, mm -hmm. right? So that that isn't something that you seek out to then learn more about because you've already evolved past them. Yeah. So you don't seek out the person to like continue to replay the event no. with you. You find the person that heals it. Correct. Oh, I love that. Mm -hmm. That's it's a so whole good. thing. I told him I have a therapy. It's good. That I know more about than the attachment theory stuff. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Thank you, relationship expert, Joe. You so, win the whole back. I know. I know. Yay! <laughs> <Good job. laughs> 
This is something that Jill's been talking about this whole time. Remember the universe, the beginning of the book, I talk a lot about the universe and manifestation, but the universe is listening to your actions, not your words. She can't guide you to your destination if you're taking detours with partners and patterns who don't serve your ultimate intention. If you're looking for a stable, committed partner, prove it. Be the person who attracts suitable suitors. Actively search for qualities you desire in a mate. Be ruthless about what you want and reject people from your orbit who fall short. That's manifestation 101, right? 100%. You have to act out what you want. Write that list of who you're looking for. This is something I had to learn too. I think I had done some workshops or read some books about it. And they said, even if you're like, okay, well, I'm going to date all the right guys. I'm going to do this. But then I'm going to like, you know, side text the old guy and still talk to the bad guy. And maybe I'll just go have a drink with him or whatever. It's like, you have to cut off. Trisha's like, I know. I know. Side text the I old know guy. That I know her game. And I saw her do this for so long. <laughs> Oh my goodness. And it can feel, if you're just texting someone, it can feel like, well, what's the thing? What is even the thing? You have to cut off all that energy and only let in the good stuff because the universe is going to see all that and be like, she's still up to her bullshit. (laughs) Like you have to prove it. You have to prove that you are into treating yourself better. And even if you're like not actively looking for a partner, because I'm not, I was just like, I have to cut off all that stuff because you know what? I'm going to prove I'm better than that. I'm going to prove it to myself and I'm going to prove it to the universe. So we did everything in that chapter except for sex and the breakup. And I think those are like their own thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So we're going to save sex and the break and and breakup for later Uh times. Mm -hmm. And that was just dating. Anything else you guys want to do? Are you guys ready to go eat nachos? Mm-hmm. Nachos. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, thanks so much for overthinking with me this week. Until next time, wishing you all good thoughts. <laughs>